Okay, welcome back to the cartoon pad after a four-year sabbatical. Michael, Marty, how you doing? I'm doing good. It's only been like a month and a half, people. I, I feel like you guys feel... It's, it seems like years. Well, yeah. thanks for ruining the magic, Marty. Now you got to put it out in about a month. Well, it's a good time to say happy holidays. Say hello to everyone. Touch base. Uh, this is our this, this is our holiday party, by the way. So this is it. This is the it. cookies are gotta... delicious. <laughs> Cheers. Who's your secret Santa? Ah, Satan. Satan is my secret Santa. Oh. How are How all of your kittens, uh, Shaw? Seven of them. You're seven still... cats right now. In one room. No, you don't. You don't have that many cats. I can go upstairs and I can show you something that's going to like uh, haunt my, me for the rest of my life. Yeah, uh, we're, we're we foster kittens, and there's so many kittens now they become cats, and there's seven of them, and they're all in my room upstairs. And if I just crack the door a little bit, like fourteen paws come scratching out. At some point, to... when the ratio becomes that upside down, I think the kittens are fostering you. Yes, I, I think uh, they won't take them back. <laughs> they say, hey. Oh, I, I got the ASPA. Uh... Shouldn't you be doing more cartoons about cats, Shaw? Because it seems to be your entire life. I should be doing more cartoons. That's true. Cats don't have any sense of humor. They're, it's all about them. I have done cat cartoons. Uh, I mean, cats are easy to draw. They're just like fuzzy pyramids with eyes. It's good. The authority on cats is is Bob Eckstein right here, who has got his book, The Big Book of Cat Names. That's right. That people you should be buying for the holidays. You would think. But Bob, do you have any cats? No. no none at all. I'm allergic. <laughs> But you are, you are a cat authority. Have you ever made a snow cat instead of a snowman? Oh, sure. Well, those those I'm not allergic to. They don't make me break out in hives and start screaming for the woods. Hmm. So how are your... Um, when you guys do cartoon batches, uh, you do holidays m like months in advance that you send into places like the New Yorker. So, did you guys send in holiday cartoons like in August? I I have, no. I have to get on that, don't I? <laughs> yeah. No, you, you got you got some time, Michael. You got plenty of time. Believe me. I'm you can I'm wrapping up to a big time as you want. Yes, I'm wrapping up to a big 2024. Forget uh, 23 is over. I'm well, wrapping right up now, for 2025. Working, I think I'm working That's good. on the leap year cartoons. Who's it? A leap year. Working on the leap year, and actually, you know, to answer the question, so I know Marty's trying to ask a question that people would want to hear the answer, really, and that is, I'm actually working on Olympic cartoons for the Summer Olympics in Paris. So I have a Mon bunch Dieu. of cartoons on that theme. The croissant toss? Yeah, I can't wait to get them rejected. <laughs> who, who? Yeah, who will the audience be for these? Who? Who? Who are your... Who are your uh, intended How victims? How dare you? <laughs> We've been away for this long, and you're already back making. Wait a minute! Game. You you quit cartooning. Let's let's back this up. Good. I, have you have you come back into the fold? 
I'm only sharing this with you, a close friend, you and me, like the, we're like Daryl Hall and, and Oates. Um, I'm going <laughs> to yeah. share this. Yeah, that relationship's going great. Yeah, you're not. You're All not right, gonna be, Simon and Garfunkel. You're not going to be hauling. <laughs> you're not going to be hauling my oats anytime soon. So I'm not going to say this on the podcast, but between you and I, it's a very fluid thing. You know, it depends on what week you talk to me, whether I am a solo cartoonist or if I quit. But I am I, doing cartoons for small markets. Are you implying that I have to edit this out? No. Okay, good. Because I'm leaving yeah. all this in. Yeah, leave it all oh, of in. Of course. So I'm we, gonna want, talk- we want people to know where Bob is on the ever-changing dial of have I quit, have I not quit. I love cartooning. So, I hate cartooning. Let, let me clarify something. Let me clarify this. When I said I'm only talking to Michael about this, that doesn't mean we have to cut this. I, I'm inferring that only we're the only listeners of the podcast. <laughs> Not only that, but it was in your newsletter, so I know I saw it. Yeah, but you know what? You know what happened? Really, what happened was I got approached by small markets that said we're not doing submissions, we're not looking at cartoons, but if you got something, we'd consider buying it. So I'm not going through the usual submission process, and it's not like the New Yorker; it's these smaller places, and it's not, of course, the big money. But I am doing cartoons for them. It's like pocket change. Can you name names? Or I can name one name. I'll tell you because it's kind of sad. I used to work for Reader's Digest yes. and get paid eight hundred bucks a cartoon. Yep. They asked to buy a couple of cartoons for me, and the rate now is fifty dollars. I thought they bought them all from the cartoon stock. Now that should they be a lot higher too. compared they to do that too. what Weekly Humorist. I mean, Weekly Humorist is like me and Readers. Is it? Did you say Readers Digest or Writers Digest? No, Writers Digest. I got. I did two cartoons for Writers Digest this morning. And they pay way more than Reader's Digest. Now, for the listeners at home, Weekly Humorous now pays five fifty a cartoon. Marty will also he'll give you eight hundred for two cartoons. What's so please submit them in. He's like probably one of the biggest markets now. But uh, five fifty is five dollars and fifty cents. Yeah, it's five dollars yes. and fifty cents. Let's clarify that. Yes. Yeah. Please clarify that. It's twenty dollars. I. You know, Marty, I've never asked you for a penny. I give you my cartoons out of my love for you yeah. and your effort on this podcast. Thank so, you. When I mentioned the word offering. 550, I saw Marty perspiring. He was already sweating bullets. I'm like, where do I have to make this edit? I need to make this edit right here. Okay, we're at this time. Mark it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's interesting. The Like everything because I know that we talked a lot about Substacks and we've talked a lot about basically like the new economy of being a creative person, because that's what everyone's doing on Instagram or Substack or whatever. It's like, how can I monetize everything myself? How can I not need a gatekeeper or a publication or a platform? And I can just sell myself to my fans for $2.99 a month or $5.99 a month and just get them to pay me. And that's kind of what it's become. And, you know, still people are going to do cartoons, but it's like I'm selling directly to my fans only and they're going to buy prints directly from me or they're going to buy things like this from me or they're going to subscribe to a Substack from me. And it's not even, it's not even like, I don't, you know, it's not about batches or whatever. 
that's like the primary focus anymore because it's like there's too many people doing the same thing for too little money. It's case like the, by case. You know, yeah, I, I got to go now. Ask me about this. M Michael, you want to say something? You go first, but then I. No, I no. Well, it's just. Um, I don't know. I this this befuddles me. I'm befuddled. You go ahead, Bob. Well, it, it befuddles a lot of people. And it's, it's the top question I get from students or when I speak at like a session made up of people who are aspiring to be cartoonists or writers. And it's just case by case how you can find a solution. There's different ways of going about it. Um, one example is I was stranded at this place in Miami. I went to the Miami Book Fair and I was standing with this woman at this place where we were waiting for a ride to get to a meeting that never arrived. And I got to talking to this woman and it wound up being Heather Cox Richardson, who is the number one Substack newsletter who writes the Substack letters from an American. And she was explaining to me that she wasn't really doing much of anything up until she did a newsletter. Money-wise, it was hard to make money as a freelancer, blah, blah, blah. A newsletter now, though, she says, has made her so wealthy and it's skyrocketed. Now, that's not the answer for everyone, but everyone has to kind of find a like a lane to yeah. go in and see if they could kind of monetize what they do. So well, I have a question, Bob, how many how many Substack newsletters do you get a month? Well, I put out like one every two or three weeks, and there's one that's like free and one that goes to subscribers. And I've only been doing it for less than a year. So it's kind of in the beginning. So, but how many do you receive from uh, this vast amount of talent that wants to send you content? I'm confused. You're asking how, how many, many do you, to... how many do you subscribe to? Oh, me personally, I only subscribe to maybe two and I get free about 50 from people who ask, who asked me to please like support them. But as much as I would want to support them, as you can guess, like 50 newsletters is too, too much. I don't read them all, but like today, Joe Duffy sent me one and his is really good. And, you know, I try to read it and I try to read other people's, but it, it is hard to read them all. You have to kind of pick and choose your favorites. I know you have 50, Substack newsletter articles about people's fascinating lives, and you have to wade through that and decide if you want to spend two ninety five to get even more content. Exactly. So you have to find something that's a unique voice. Like if you were, for instance, like you were talking about fish decoys in Minnesota, and it was like such a niche. I think that there would be a thirst for that. But if you're going to talk about like humor in general or just writing in general, and then you're mixed in with the other like three dozen newsletters you're getting. So you have to find a way of why someone's going to open up your Substack over the others. But it, like everything, there's a saturation point that once we hit it, yeah. it, none of it's going to matter, right? Like there can't be, you can't subscribe to this many. It's just like you're subscribing to the internet. And the internet is coming to your inbox and you have to read yeah, yeah. everything piecemeal, you know, like it's crazy how things move and the next thing will be yeah. something else. And it's everything is just coming at you. But the amount of subscriptions that an individual can have, there's a limit. And I think a lot of us have hit a limit because I'm getting all these emails from 
Paramount Plus, Netflix, Hulu, and they're all telling me that they're increasing their monthly fees and they're all doing it at like the same time. So I'm getting an email and it's like your Apple TV is going from not, you know, $9.99 to $13.99 and your Hulu is going to this to this to, you know, cancel your subscription, go into your subscription, you know, settings page. And they're all doing it at the same time. And at, at, we all can't pay more for all of this garbage. Like we all used to get this for free and we would just watch TV commercials, which I love. I love TV commercials and I don't understand why the commercial model stopped working because we all like buying stuff constantly. And I, I like to know what the new stuff is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you both. What is your favorite thing? So just take a positive spin on this. What is like the one thing that you are staying with that you'll look at and you follow religiously? Uh, Marty, I'll ask you first. And then Michael, you share. What, what do you mean? Favorites. Like, like, what do I watch? Well, anything. It could be a person. I mean, do you have a certain comedian or newsletter or something? You know, I have say, a neighbor that I'm leaves their windows them. open, and I am. I'm kidding. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I'm not telling you about that. But um, what do I constantly read? You know, I always read. You know, Jason Chatfield is really good at getting your attention. He's good. He's good at it. I'll give him that. He's a talented guy, and he is really good at hooking your attention with interesting stories, funny quirks, little things. He's so good at it. He's, a t he's, he's, he's funny. He's talented. He's a nice person. It comes through in his writing. Every time he sends me something like an email, I read the whole thing. You That's know, good. I'm interested. He has a nice yeah, little life. I read life. his stuff too. I think I he's agree fun. with you. I love his dog. You know, I love his little misadventures. I, you know. I'll subscribe to uh, learn, uh, reading about what Jason Chaffield's up to. But, okay. you know, there's a point where I can't read. I can't fit more than I can't have two Jason Chaffields I have to read about or six <laughs> or 15. I don't care about that many people. I can't I can't follow it. Or Bob. So, I read Bob's. I have Bob. to say, I, I'm I'm a little smitten with Hillary. She's she's like. You know, she like sent the... me a uh, gift subscription to Hillary yes. Campbell's Substack. So, you know, Shaw's out here, uh, she, Hillary uh, Campbell, she, promoting she's the in the film. Yeah, she's in the film noir, too, which I enjoy. So I I, I, I can't commit, though. I, I don't want to be too big of a presence in her world, you know? I can't commit. I can't commit to a long-term Substack relationship. I, um, I went to um, Emily Flake hosted a show at Caveat. A little bit ago that was um, funny on paper which is a uh, uh, new york cartoonist doing a a live show and uh and chaffield was there and emily flake was there and hillary campbell uh was very funny and she was on it um she's delightful uh, she, she is did delightful this, she did this live drawing thing they do the, like games where you know they get some uh suggestions from the audience and they kind of ask like nine different things and then they they kind of facilitate a, a comedy thing where they put it all together. And then Hillary had to draw something that illustrated this, you know, almost Mad Lib uh, situation. And she drew a really, it was fantastic. It was funny. It was well-drawn. It was, she did it under pressure. You're on stage with all these people looking at you. And it, it was great. And I was so impressed. I was like, and that is a great picture. That is funny and precise. And it fit exactly what the jokes were. And it seemed effortless the way she did it. And With, she was like, no, no, it's not good. No, no, I don't love it. And I was like, that is fantastic. It was like a, 
God, I can't even remember. It was like a hippo uh, ballerina type. I, I don't know. It was it was like a, a zoo animal. I can't remember what the zoo animal was. It was an animal uh, dancing, and then there was a ballet dancer in the person area, and the zoo and the zoo animal was like angry that they were being upstaged or something. I'm not giving it justice at all. But it was a really uh, well done thing. The whole show was fun. It was a good and, time. And she had a half liter of Chardonnay in her too. So you know, she loves the, she loves the white wine. She loves the white wine on ice. <laughs> on ice. Anyway, so uh, hers has a kind of a slapdash kind of like I'm just yeah like I, let's wing this shit and I sort of enjoy that. She's a fun fun personality. That's good. I mean, it's a different type of Substack and audience. Mine is more following up with me quitting teaching, not wanting to be in the classroom, but doing classes in a way for writers. So I kind of include some material, but I also want to keep on doing sort of the lessons that I was doing in school. So it's Bob, a, a little thing. bit more curmudgeon-y. He has yes. a bit of a curmudgeon angle. I, I, I want to have a curmudgeon's newsletter. I just want to like get off my lawn, get off my, what get I out think, of my email. What I think you should have, Shaw, is it's yes, like, um, you know, um, message not messages from but like uh what's it called when you're when you're maybe doing like an outpost like you're you're giving messages from this this outpost because you're kind of like way out there in a in oh the frozen, yeah okay like uh you're in the frozen tundra of lambeau yes. field out there in manitowoc wisconsin so it's like well what was it what would it be called when you were like sending uh not not telegrams or cables cables from the frozen oh, it, land it would be, uh, dispatches Dispatches. That's exactly yes, right. That's a dispatch. So you could do a like. I a, like that idea. Like, like a cartoon you, uh, dispatch. Cool. Are either of you familiar? Maybe I've talked about Charlie Barron's in the Manitowoc Minute. No. Yes. Oh, he's he, he's a comedian and he's I assume popular, but uh, he started out with a bit called the Manitowoc Minute, and he went out to L.A. to be a do stand up, and. Basically, when they started bombing, he just uh, rolled out his, uh, his, you know, that whole Wisconsin thing, and people love it. So, I mean, I'll do no, the Michael, Wisconsin thing. Michael, yeah. you should have that angle of like a pirate radio. There was this really cool um, documentary about the the band the the, which was like one of my favorite British bands. This guy was really a one man band, and he kind of just disappeared. His brother passed away. And then he just went under. No one heard from him again. And then he resurfaced recently doing a pirate radio. And he does this out of London. And he plays his hits. And you would know his music if you heard it. But something like that, where you do something verbally, I, I think it would be great. It's I, I think it's the the. <laughs> That's the Oxford. It could be, uh, the, you know, it could it's be an like entrepreneurial a... spirit. The depressing drawing dispatch. We need like a. Th we need like oh, a. Oh, that's good. We I need, need like career a, counseling. I like what I like where you guys are going with this. I like you bought the, the uh, equipment. Yeah. You invested in the mic. You got to go all in now. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm staring at your light still. It, it looks like Jesus wants to take you away now. If you want to ascend to heaven, it's supposed to be the ocean. It's funny. Um. Oh. We had a guest lined up, a friend of mine who I went yesterday and saw Godzilla. And we spent the day together and he's a pretty famous person and he refused to come on though. He was too scared, <laughs> too shy. Why did, 
why do we keep scaring people off? I don't get it. Shaw's uh he puts people in the hot seat too much with his hard you know, hitting questions. We want pointed questions, we want snappy answers, we want to get to the bottom of things. Okay, we're gonna to get to the bottom of it right now then. Okay. I'm getting you to know, the bottom of a, my pint of Guinness. Of a of a podcast are very, very soft. They're very friendly. Everyone's very sweet. The the questions are softball. And you have a sense of humor that is comes from a different angle, comes from the back door and hits you, and it's unexpected. <laughs> and a lot of people get nervous about being on the air. And I, I, I can tell you, I can give you a list of people who are afraid to come out. You know, it's and, not like this is live, you know? It's so, I, know. I mean, I tell them it's taped and be like, God, people, Marty cuts out 95% of, <laughs> you know, and if, if, if Hillary ever, ever comes back on, I will <laughs> promise not to come from her back door. Okay. So, gonna have to cut that out. <laughs> oh, Lord, come cut on. Cut that out. Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I like the one, the one podcast I've listened to some just because my wife likes it is, you know, Smartless. Oh, I love with, Smartless. Yeah. But they're very sassy. Yeah. No, but but Smartless was better in early on. They themselves are such kiss assers now. There's a lot of flattery and a lot of back pat, uh, padding that becomes a little bit, you know, a little bit much. Let's we do, do the same thing when we introduce. Let's do lunch. Our, let's, our yeah, let's do lunch and talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Smartless. Smart. Smart. Last. They had on Michael Stipe recently, who I like a lot, from R.E.M. And John McEnroe. Ah, I love John McEnroe. He was my role model for my behavior. You can't be serious. Baloney call. Thank you. And meanwhile, his brother is so sweet. I had a chance to watch the Open last year with his brother, Patrick, and they're total opposites. Patrick, I had... Grew up with tiny bit in junior tennis growing up in uh, Long Island. And him and me played at the same places. So you were, Bob, you were sort of a tennis protege, weren't you? I mean, you you were a I still play pretty seriously now. I play in um, a pretty high-ranked league now at Columbia University. Wow. You know, it's on the but, pickleball. Um, oh, God, pickleball. Jeez. I got to tell you, I did a piece for Smithsonian Magazine about royal tennis. It did all this research about the old-fashioned king's tennis. And slowly, their bosses got me to switch the article and and pivoted it over to pickleball. They kept on saying, you should mention pickleball. <laughs> you know, you should do more about the pickleball in the article. We like the pickleball portion of the story. Can you expand? You know what? You got so much pickleball in there, you might as well take out the tennis. And now it's a piece about pickleball. Pivot to pickleball. Your last New Yorker cartoon was a pickleball cartoon. There's the another podcast that I love called Funny Pages and Sunday Pages. It's really great by Greg Fitzsimmons. And he just announced that he lost his studio and everything because the building was sold to a place that's converting everything to pickleball courts. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, speaking of losing everything, uh, Marty, are you yeah. still homeless? No, I mean I'm still I still have a home. Didn't you start a hotel? Uh I had to well in in preparation for what was going to be a situation where my rent was going to double, 
right. I I have two extra bedrooms because I live in a gigantic castle, and um, uh, but I like to live by myself, just rattling around a huge place. And if if the future was going to be going the direction that seems to be going, I was going to have to change my ways. So or or move. So um, I I explored filling the rooms preemptively, which I didn't really try to do. And then the universe just created people who asked me if I had a place. And I was like, I do. So I have um, some people who are temporarily uh, cohabitating here. So you're which uh, actually you're been. Up- which has actually been wonderful because one of them has a has a pit bull and I've never had a dog and I love this dog. This dog <laughs> is this female um, seven-year-old pit bull who is calm, never barks, always sleeping. Her name is Whitney Houston and it's just like this wonderful experience that I've never had before having just like a dog That's around the house. That's very 40s. You're, you're running a boarding house. Yeah. Do you all come down Michael, to dinner, not, to breakfast Michael, together? Michael, never... Cartoon pad exclusive. Yeah. I mean, does everyone gather for dinner and discuss your day? Not really, but um, it helps that both of the people in the house are uh, uh, professionally good looking because they are uh, models and uh, and actresses. And uh, so I, I look disgusting compared to all of these beautiful people who are living with me. Uh, but it's nice. Um, yeah, but uh, uh, even more of a plot twist, like I did all this stuff because I thought that in the future might, and then it doesn't really matter because uh, the building is being foreclosed because the owners didn't pay some sort of a huge balloon year, million dollar lo- loan that they took oh out. Oh Lord, they turned so, their house yeah. into an ATM. So what's yeah. going to happen? They're going to be sold on the uh, courthouse steps? I don't know, Shaw. There's a lot of stuff happening, old, old there's, Marty's. There's shit going down everywhere. Yeah. So apparently, if they lose, the and and they don't, and the bank gets it, it's going to be like auctioned off or something. So yeah, I, it'll I'm be keeping... a, a or a short sale. Yeah. You could probably buy your house. I've looked into that. I've actually found some people who are interested in, in in going in on buying a residential rental, and uh, there's apps. You can download that. It's, they're, they're apps, but they're like Zillow, but they're for auctions, for foreclosure auctions. So I have an app that has a search. So I'll, I'll be at least notified when my home is up on the auction block. Welcome to I, Real Realtor Talk with Marty Dundix. Yeah, it's interesting. I was going to say, right at this point, we lost everyone. You're going to yeah. love it? Are you going to love it or list it? going to have to cut all this out, too. We're not going to have anything left. Well, we could try talking oh. about cartoons. Well, we did that. That's boring. God. Yeah. Cartoons, cartoons, cartoons. I'll mention one quick story, and then you could jump in and tell me your cartoon story. I went up to Rhinebeck and met with Michael Maslin and David Borchardt, Peter Steiner, Ken Crimston, Robert Layton, and we all went up there to discuss cartoons and the State of the Union. And then I also went and I saw... Danny Shanahan's archives, his old house, uh, Danny passed away. His work was all stored in this little cottage. And I had access to all these bins of all his covers and cartoons. And it was pretty amazing to see hundreds of his cartoons everywhere. It's like, how did he get it all done in one career? 
Did you steal anything? They gave me a couple of cartoons. They being the widow and the family, Danny's family had left me a couple of pieces. And they gave me my choice of what I wanted to pick. And today I just framed it. So, Bob, what is the state of the cartoon? I'm fascinated by that statement. It's funny. Everyone has their own like take on everything. I was um, talking to Peter Steiner, who had stopped cartooning, and now he's back. And he's doing some cartoons, including um, for all the places. Other people, um, I, I can't mention exactly who, because I know that they want to say it on their own terms. But there were a couple of well-known people who have quit. And I've said that that's the end, you know. Um, you mean you, Bob? No, not me. Okay. But other people said, you know, enough is enough. And, you know, everyone has their own take. Other people are delighted with the way things are going because in their particular world, their little universe, things are doing well. You know, it all depends on who you speak to. And some people, of course, have a writer's block and other people are going through a creative surge where things are going good. So it kind of like depends on each person. Well, Bob, you 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 sort of pivoted back to your illustrative style, haven't you? You know, because I was being told by someone, um, gave me great advice, and they said, you know, you could continue doing what you love, but you should really make a living doing what you do best. And they convinced me that I'm better at doing illustration, and that the cartooning thing is something as much as I love doing. Maybe I'm not doing it well enough. I'm not good enough at it. And I could continue doing it on some small scale, but I shouldn't be putting all this pressure on myself that I have to make a living from it because maybe I can't. Well, that's and true. I mean, cartooning has never been the day job for me. I mean, there is no way. I I tried it and it's too much work. I think that there's other factors involved with you. And I think one of them was luck. You were not here in New York City and I think when Bob was the cartoon editor, if you were at his office and you had been closer with him and had a relationship with him face to face, I think you would have appeared more in the magazine. Would you agree? I don't know. I used to see Bob a lot when I I was actually a, you know, a copywriter by profession. I was doing more copywriting for him than cartooning at one point. But, but in that case, I wondered... Was that a problem that he saw you as an employee at the cartoon bank and only when you left the cartoon bank that he would see you more as a cartoonist? No, he, uh, I don't know. You know, I blame myself. I'm just, I'm not a likable person. No one. I do you... blame you on some things. I wish that you would put, put out more output. I mean, if you ever get going, you'd be non-stoppable, but you're not getting going. So you're stoppable. I'm stopped, man. I'm stopped up. I, I appreciate all this advice, Bob, really. Here, no, but if I could draw more work out of you, I feel like it's just a question of you doing more output. All right, I gotta go draw. I'll see you guys later. Hey, and Michael, you know, I wanted to have on as a guest one of the most mysterious figures, in my opinion, in New York, New Yorker history. Um, uh, Ariel me... Moldig. And I try to get in contact. I try oh, to yeah. get a phone number from a mutual friend to invite him on. So you were talking about output and wanting to do that much. The story I remember from him when I had lunch with him was that the New Yorker gave him notice that they had better get the finals that he owed them. 
and he accumulated 50 OKs that he owed the magazine. And he decided he was at, he was at lunch at Pergola's when he said it was such a high number. It was just so much to do. There was no way he could do it. So he just turned his back on everything and just walked away. And I think he went to the Midwest. He was married. And at the time, he was also an actor. And he married a doctor. Yes, that's that's right. I'd walk away and too. He, and so he kind of, like, it was like overwhelming to have all that success all of a sudden. His, I style, think his style was very minimalist too. I, I could, you know, there I liked his work, but there wasn't a lot to it. It's not like he couldn't turn yeah, out. But there is a lot. There was a lot to it. The thinking was there in the same way. I know, but the thinking was already done. Lines. These are finals. This is just wrote. This is just tidying up your line. You, the yeah, thinking has been completed. Bit. Bob, to you're me, over. You, you're overthinking it, Bob. When he no, got no. the OKs, the 50 OKs, did he get paid on those already? Or you only get paid no. when you deliver the finish? He didn't get paid for any of them. So he well, got overwhelmed that, for work he had coming to in. Do. There's another person that we've had on as a guest who had a similar thing where they had like 14 OKs and they just didn't do them. They got so many OKs, it became too much to do and they just let it go. There's also the famous one who I won't mention, Diffie. Uh, he had like 40 in the can and didn't they tell him they didn't want them anymore? He got sent back what they call a kill. They killed the pieces, but he got paid for those. Instead, Ariel didn't get paid for his. Now, I had the same thing happen to me. I had like eight or ten cartoons sent back to me when Bob left, and they were killed. Right, but you'd already gotten paid. I already gotten paid, and that Matt got paid too. But okay, Matt, well, that's well. Is it? What do you get paid the full amount, or is it a kill fee, which is a percentage of the full amount? You get the full amount in the okay. same way you get the full amount if it gets used for a cartoon caption, and they kill the caption. Mm. Okay, Michael. You know, I think about your work today when your line being very minimalistic. And I was thinking that the other person who shared your spirit was Arnie Levin, who I thought was yes. a genius. I always said he he drew like somebody was taking the paper away from him as he was drawing. Was he an influence in your work at all? Yeah, yeah. I met him when I went to the Algonquin uh, little festival, and he just sort of disappeared one day and never appeared again. Well, I'm in touch with Arnie, and he's um, he has some health issues. But, he was a buff um, guy from what I remember. Yeah, but he's up there in age. Now, he's the guy who used to get really tattooed, and he was a biker. He's, like, so <laughs> different than what you would consider the typical cartoonist. You know, the first cartoonist I met was Leo Cullum, this right. very distinguished guy who was like Harry Grant, who was an airline pilot for United. I think it was United. And he has so much elegance and stuff. And then there was Arnie, who looks like – he was like one of the, um, what's the uh, group? The eight people from that. Oh, the A-team. No, not the A-team. The A-team. I love the A-team. I love the A-team. I love the A-team, but George Papard. Who doesn't love George Papard? But it's not that. It's What's the group with um, Robert Mitchum and I'm trying to think of those guys. The real tough guys. 
You've lost the whole audience. Bob Mitchum. Yeah. I I don't know, Bob. Sorry. Clint Clint Eastwood. Like the Dirty Dozen. Dirty Dozen? That's it. The Magnificent Seven? Yeah, that wasn't Clint Eastwood. That's where I picture Arnie Levin. Arnie Levin would fit right in there, although he would be the shortest one in the group. He was like 4'6". His most famous cartoon that I remember was the one where the guy is starting the lawnmower. The lawnmower just takes off. I mean, it's like a, but you know, it's such a simple idea, but. Um, well, his ideas are simple, but I didn't come up with them. I, I kicked myself today that I didn't come up with this one Artie Levin cartoon he did where there's a man sitting down on the couch, obviously meeting a woman on a date being introduced. And in the living room is this enormous cat sculpture one of those things the cats climb on that's like 90 feet big and the guy goes do you have a cat you just like cat cartoons there's a famous one one. of arnie's where someone's delivering is it a bobka what what is that cake called that you take to someone it could be a bobka okay and the guy's taking a bobka to heaven but there's oh, no that's caption. nice. I think it befuddled uh, a lot of people. You know, his cartoons make you think. Michael, like, another favorite of his was he's got this guy in bed and surrounded by piles of books, you know, on the nightstand and all around the whole place. And the banner says, Reader's Block. Uh, okay. I feel like we're going no, through a batch. Come on, right. We're going something. through a batch right now. Oh, it's good. That's I, good. I, I, it's good. People like hearing about going through the benches. No, yeah. But let's um let's wrap up. Michael, you have anything to promote? Did I did <laughs> I, I think that's a no? Wait, wait, did I did did, did I ever show you guys this? No. What's oh, the this story? is this explain is, what you're holding. Oh, it's a vast book volume entitled Lot. Et l'histoire de la caricature. And it, it's all French. And it's a history of uh, the caricature. And I, I, I have my famous cartoon about nothing back here on page 1422. So if you're looking for my latest work, this is it. You're in that book? I'm in that book. That's amazing. Wow. It's it is. And it, they sent it to me. Here, I can oh, show it's it. very nice. Let me, let, me, let me show it to you uh, via podcast. You are, you are French, no? Oui. Je suis oh, Français. look at that. All right. Um, well, Michael's holding up a cartoon that he's been milking for years. And this is, car- the cartoon is the absence of any drawing. Yes. Yeah. Actually, the lines, the, 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 the square was drawn, so there is drawing. What's inside is not drawn. Anyway, I didn't even get paid for that. They just sent me a copy. It looks like a heavy book, though. So I'm sure that book is about impressive. 20, a $45 book right there. Yeah. Second point euro. Finally, Michael's doing some of the heavy lifting. I, 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 I did uh, a, I did a doodle of you guys. Oh, jeez. Oh, God. I look like... <laughs> I look like a what stevedore. are you doing, Marty? You trying to get fired? It's pretty good. It's pretty good drawing, I thought of you guys. Speaking yeah, of caricatures, really. that could go right next to your empty box in your there caricature book. Yeah. 
Um, let me just give a couple of plugs quickly and I'll say uh, goodbye and happy holidays. Um, I have happy a winter holidays. fest in Holly, Pennsylvania. That's uh, at the Holly Library, signing books. And then on atlasobscura.com, they're doing sort of a TED Talk on December 19th, 7 o'clock. I'm going to be talking for one hour about the history of the snowman. That's a good talk. I've, I've attended the history of the snowman talk before at the New York Public Library. Uh, this 2000... one would be better. This will be in English. Okay. Thank yeah, you, I was, I was very that. confused and lost uh, now that you mention it. That's why there was subtitles. And um, so, Marty, you have anything to promote for Weekly Humorous? Um, you know, not really. Just um, just churning. People should go to Weekly Humorist and they should uh, get a subscription. Um, they can so give it as a holiday gift. They can give it. Merchandise too. We, Any yeah. um, holiday stuff? Yeah, we have T-shirts that say "Missile Toke," and it's okay. a uh, it's a it's a weed weed a weed leaf oh with a, a red holiday bow. Um, and there's some other stuff. There's a bunch of holiday stuff. There's a lot of stuff. There's a All lot kinds of, different of stuff. Things. Yeah. Um, I have one other thing to mention. Cartoon stock came out with a new calendar that I'm on the cover. It's all cartoons about lawyers. Oh my. And that's at cartoonstock.com. I'll have to check that out. It would be funny if you if you were like the cartoon stock had a uh, calendar come out and it's like pictorials of, of like you and Shaw in like uh, you know like bathing trunks. Oh, I could see that. Like I really a, don't like see a, that. like a like the fireman's calendar, but it was cartoonist. <laughs> well, my my thinking is this, Michael. If we're gonna do that, right? We charge like twelve hundred dollars, and just have one person buy it. Just if we could just get one sale, we're we're in gold. People would pay you to not sell it. Yes. Um, would you pay us twelve ninety nine to not sell this this calendar? Yes. That's not encouraging, Marty. That's not nice. Put that in your you know, stack. The guy who passed away from the pose, I was a huge fan of um, of Sean. Uh, what's his last name again? Huge fan. Huge yeah, fan. huge what fan. Was his I name? can't remember his last name. Um, was it Lebon. Dooley? No. Uh, Simon Lebon. Um, yeah. He has his Aha. artwork in a book, and the book is like fourteen hundred dollars for limited edition cartoons. That's the lesson. That's the way to go. Sell a cartoon book. Just hope for a handful of sales, but they reach like about a thousand bucks. Handcrafted. Create a folio. What if you created folios of cartoons? Yeah, let's invite people listening to give us anything you want to promote. If you want to come out with a book for $1,200, let us know at the cartoon pad and we will... Mention it the next episode. We'll have let's have a pitch competition. We should. That's overdue. There. Good enough. All right, let's call it a day. We all got uh, trees to trim. We got places yeah. to go and eggnog to, to make. Mm. Uh, everyone have a good happy holidays. Until next time. You this too, is Bob. Michael Morty and uh, me saying goodbye. Happy Bye, holidays. Marty. Bye, everybody. Happy cartooning and happy holidays. Bye.